Episode nine, here we go. Hello, Ian. Let's not waste any time. We know what the people want. What are the results from our Disney poll? So funny you should ask that, Mark. Uh, so this whole podcasting adventure is a learning experience for us. So we had thought about this poll doing the, the, the old Facebook way. So apparently Facebook doesn't let uh, business pages do polls, right? Just yeah. group pages. Lesson learned. <laughs> Lesson learned makes makes no sense to us. But so basically, you, you pivoted and... We pivoted hard. We had a workaround that involved a graphic and only one spelling typo. I think two, actually. Got, and we got reactions. We got those reactions, right? Yes. So drum roll, please. Uh, super close vote. We have Lion King over Beauty and the Beast by a single vote, followed I, by what, Aladdin. That's what it, that's what it should Aladdin. be. Yeah. Right. So, the, you know, those are the three ones we highlighted. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to say the good people of Facebook and beyond, uh, they nailed this. They got it right. Um, it might not be a super majority, but a win's a win. So we got Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and then uh, a pretty steep drop off. Nothing uh, else. So anyway, so anyway, it, yeah, that's the poll. So, uh, so we want to thank everybody for helping out with that. That was awesome. The vote. Yeah. Thanks Ian for uh, figuring out the workaround. We're definitely learning new things each week, but that's part of the fun. You know, that's what we're doing here. Yes. So. Yes. We are brand new to this and uh, learning as we go for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and other news, you have been experimenting with a new review series for the channel, right? Yeah. So basically I thought to myself, you know, what else can we do to ramp this up? And I'm a big reader. I'm reading books already. I like talking about books and I previously have written a, a bit and I said, let's put it all together. Right. Mm-hmm. And let's make a review series wherein I basically write some text and then do my best to do my, you know, Tom Brokoff, uh, NBC voice yes, and no put something up there. So basically so what was the book you did this week? Uh, light from uncommon stars. Uh, it was a strange book. I'm not going to tell you why it was strange. I want everyone to go online to go and, listen to the review, right? <laughs> and to read the review. Um, anyway, I really enjoyed the process. I learned a ridiculous amount of things about how to post on YouTube, how to get right. content, all kinds of stuff. So that and was really, that was really fun. You get to practice um, that, that writing skill too, right? As well as your yeah, So basically when you write something down and then you repeat it verbatim, uh, it's really easy to find out. It's, it, you see exactly where things did not go right. So I would yeah. I would record a bit and be like, oh crap, and I would type and then I would redo it. Um, so what's, basically, what's the most number of recordings you've done for a single review series thus far? Like most attempts or most takes? I probably did for a couple of these. I have two more in the pipeline, by the way. I maybe did thirteen to fifteen takes. <laughs> so because I would get into it and then I'd be like, okay, this this sentence is garbage. It makes no sense. So yeah. I basically pause slash delete the recording the goal and is to get that down to like four maybe <laughs> yeah so, i mean three i guess or four three or four is the thing because no matter how proud you are of the content when you're repeating it 10 times it's gonna yeah. lose its luster right yeah i guess the and, point um, is we're loving doing this weekly pod and we want to learn different mediums like you said different contents you know channels we're experimenting with yep, yeah yep. so look forward to more experimenting and, in the future and my last point on that is basically, I know not everyone out there is a reader. I'm going to be pivoting to do uh, TV and movies and things like that. There are also reviewable, but uh, maybe a little more accessible to the folks who are into that. So yeah, anyway. you've, you've kind of called me out to attempt the same. So it may not be the same voice, but I'm, or the same pace that you're going to pump out the content, but I'm, I'm going to, I owe you something as well. So awesome. Look forward to hearing that, Mark. Yeah, well, I guess that's enough chit-chat. Ian, can you share our three stories for the week? 
yeah, I'm really excited to share these stories. We have uh, Major League Baseball's recent Hall of Fame vote. We have stock dividends. Yes. And then we have another crowd favorite. We have board games. B-O-A-R. said that very awkwardly, but board yeah. games. Let's do it. I'm Ian. And I'm Mark. And this is. This is. Let's get into it. They got red hair. They really don't care what they talk about. They just want to have a good time. We'll talk it online. Let's get into it. So first story, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. So by now, you, you guys realize that a few weeks back, we had a huge Hall of Fame vote. Um, it's an annual winter event, which I really, I really didn't know the time it took place. Yeah, you but, uh, it's spring, it's but... sort of a January end of the year kind of wrap up. So um, almost 400 ballots are cast by a variety of sports peoples. Uh, also a, a bigger number than I thought. 400 is a huge number. Uh, this was a huge vote because this was the last year of eligibility for Mr. Barry Bonds and Mr. Roger Clemens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they did not reach the three-fourths rate required by voters, 75%. That is the magic metric by which you need to the surpass. C- the C average, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what that means, guys, is that uh, Barry Bonds, I think arguably, obviously we're going to get into this, but the best hitter in the game, uh, MVP I mean, winner seven twice. times. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of any other major sport where an individual won seven MVPs, That's right? absurd. Um, and then Clemens, which we'll get into as well, you know, obviously a top three pitcher, I think. Um, you know, I'm not going to say he's the best pitcher of all time, At least but obviously Roger era. Clemens is up yeah. there on the, you know, the pantheon of pitchers. Um, so basically we had a, we had a huge vote. We had two massive players, personalities, not reach the threshold. Uh, before we dive into our opinions though, I want to give you guys some, some context here. So the actual Burbage of Cooperstown, right? This is the enshrinement institution. Yeah. Pay attention to these words very carefully. Players are in the hall for their quote accomplishments in the game. And players should be evaluated in a way that addresses the totality of their careers. The mission of the entire institution is to simply preserve history, obviously baseball history. Um, so this is just, this is ripe for a hot take, right? This is a huge story. So Everyone for me, has one. yes, we have at least two for you guys. <laughs> so for me, the, the hall of fame needs to take into account the total history of the sport, right? And unfortunately for for Bonds and Clemens, that's going to be part of the PED, the performance enhancing, the the doping. There, that's 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 part of the history of the game. Um, and for me, basically, unfortunately, there was an issue with performance enhancing drugs, but that was wrapped up in the total of the game. And I and for me, basically, Mark, I think they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I really do. What about you? Um. I based, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into that definition you read, really. It's about preserving the history of the, the game. The totality of the game. Right. So I think warts, we need to warts and all. embrace the past, acknowledge things, and then move forward. Yes, they use PEDs. They were not the only ones, but they were the, the all-stars in the limelight, and they were the ones who got caught, right? Um, they were not the only ones that said so, but yes. Every yeah. home run ball still went over the fence. Regardless still of whether or not still clears the fence, right? Was there juice behind it? Some of them, yeah. You know, each strikeout crosses the plate. So th- those events still occurred. I think the players who get hurt are the ones who chose to stay clean 
Yeah. And would have been top three, five, 10 players if they had taken the same PEDs as the other people. And now that's like giant speculation because who knows what impact it would have on each individual and all the situations, right? But right, right. we'd be saying somebody else's name instead of Barry Bonds, right? I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think that's a, that's a good point. I think that, you know, I think Major League Baseball is being, I'm not sure if lazy is the right word, but they're basically choosing to kind of gloss over this, try to have these two players not make the Hall of Fame, kind of cast aside their history and move on. But I think how much better it would be for everybody if they would just own this issue, basically say, you know, there was a 15, 20 year period in which the introduction of drugs into baseball reared its ugly head. Oh, well, drugs, at least PEDs, because it's not pretending we're using amphetamines and cocaine and who knows what else. Right. I mean, doing doing the story research, you know, there was multiple instances of in the 70s people popping amphetamines, doing things to enhance their bodies, so on and so forth. Right. So basically, for me, baseball is just really trying to have it both ways. They want to celebrate the good things, and then they want to have these two individuals who basically are the scapegoat for, you know, Bonds is the hitter, and then, you know, Clemens is the pitcher, and then there's a number of players that fall underneath those two icons, hitters and pitchers, who basically – um. I think pretty much anybody who has that asterisk next to their name because of these two <clears throat> Titans is probably not going to, they're probably not going to be included in the hall of fame. It's going to take longer, okay. obviously, because they have 10 years of eligibility. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, every so year, Bonds and like Clemens, the, the poster they went child, up, right. they went down, but they never, they never eclipsed that threshold. Right. So, yeah. um, I mean, and you can even look at Bud Selig, who's the commissioner during, during this important chapter of history. He was a, he, he's in the hall of fame they were quick to put him in. I mean, what kind of ownership does he have? I mean, he's responsible at least in some part for the players that he's overseeing. Right. And he's in. Yeah. So, I mean, and what's interesting too, I think is the approach that MLB takes versus the other major sports league, hockey or football or NBA, like. Yeah. I I think it's turn a blind eye. I don't know. I mean, for me, it's possible to celebrate the player of Barry Bonds while bemoaning the choices he made, right? Um, he has a number, he's he has he's the home run king, and there's the asterisks, and then there's this whole omission where they're just gonna basically not talk about him. But and I think saying... if we look I think if we're looking at what Cooperstown, which is the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, that's the of all the major league sports. And you said it's preserving history. Preserving history. They they really can't have this period of time where they just don't recognize the achievements of these guys. I so think it's silly. Put them in the Hall and, of Fame and put the asterisk next to their name and have it on display and and talk about it, right? And because because maybe not us, but a version of us in the next five, six, seven years is going to have the same discussion with Sosa, McGuire, A. Rod, you know, other players who clearly some under oath admitted to PED use. Um, it's just going to be this constant recycling of this, uh, of this narrative. So the bonds and Clemens thing may, may be case closed, but I mean, this is not the end of this discussion. So um, they may not be in Cooperstown, but for let's get into it. They'd be in the hall of fame. I think that their careers are hall of fame worthy. Mm. And I think that, um, they should be included. I really do. Um, second topic, let's do it. On to finance. So we absolutely uh, bungled, butchered, whatever you want. The NFT definition was very badly. It was a moment of, uh, it was was a bad moment. 
but you know, it's part of the experience. So today we're talking about dividends, stock dividends, dividends and stock finance. Dividends. And we're going to start with the definition per Investopedia. I have it written down here so I don't mess it up. A dividend is the distribution of corporate profits to eligible shareholders. Simple as that. Ian, what does that mean? So basically that means is a dividend is the distribution of some of a company's earnings Payment. to its shareholders, those who own the stocks. Yep. So you get paid a small amount of money, usually quarterly, four times a year, mm-hmm. per the amount of shares you hold of that company. Yep. So Coca-Cola, who is a share, who is a dividend shareholder or dividend player, they paid 42 cents per share to shareholders. If you have 10 shares, that would be $4.20. In the mailbox. You receive that every quarter, basically. So that is essentially what the dividend uh, payout is. Obviously, it's a little more complex than that, but that is the that is the layman terms. Yeah, and not all companies pay dividends. Typically, the newer ones, growth stocks, tech stocks, don't. They're usually older stocks because the idea is they're not able to grow the same right. way newer ones are. And so they reward their shareholders in the form of these dividend payments, these cash payments, since they're um, underlying the, the, the stock value may not appreciate it as, as exactly. rapidly, right? Exactly. Um, really so nice. good definitions. What do you think about them, Ian? Do you like them? I really do. I, I, I do like these. I, I think this is an interesting little way to build your portfolio. I think the biggest take-home message that I would give to, to Mark and obviously our listeners is, the passive income generators. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're being paid to hold on to stocks. That's the buzzword. And you can take that money and you can use it for whatever you want, or you can roll those dividends back into buying more shares. Fractionally speaking, of course, I mean, $4 is not going to get you another share of Coca-Cola. No. But it will get you a it will get you that 0.13% or 0.13, which will eventually compounding interest mean that your next dividend payment is larger as a result. Um and I think what's also important is some of the, a lot of these dividend um, companies, um, they're growth stocks over the long haul. So they're not stocks that double, triple overnight, but they're stocks that have nice, even projections where they grow and grow and grow. And so the idea is you hold these, you're rewarded for doing so. And I think also, my, and my last point is that these are products and services you know and understand, right? Yes. This is soda. This is sticky pads with 3M. This is medicine. Walk Johnson around your house and look at the back right. of the package. It's going to be a dividend. You look at the stuff around you. And a lot of those are from companies that pay dividends. Oil and gas, railroads, you know, trusted, time-honored, improved businesses. Right. What about you? Yeah, sorry. So for me, like I've done the uh, the other side of the coin i've done the day trading right last year i wanted to get on all the hot stuff so i've owned game stock and and all right, these fun right. things but whew, it's not for me ian my heart cannot take it i mean your poor little heart oh my god i sit there robin hood looking at it you know i figure i can put like 20 bucks and the reward's so small that what's what's the point that's how i feel about like a casino too um or i have to put thousands of dollars in for a chance to make it rich but then like the casino i'm literally gambling you might call it speculating politely, but it's it's gambling. And that's thing, right? not right. my strategy. It doesn't work for me. Um, we like I like the aristocrats. You like the aristocrats because they've been along. The, yeah. The, so what's an aristocrat? You sorry, want to find I that. Skip to that. You're right. Dividend aristocrats is kind of an unofficial title for companies who have paid 
a dividend for 25 plus years every quarter or annually or however much they do it consecutively. Mm -hmm. So nothing is ever sure in life. Nothing is sure in the stock market. But if something is sure, it's these dividend aristocrats and there's even dividend kings who've done it for 50 plus years. Right, straight. right. You know I mean, I think, like, I think, I think, uh, company. I think Johnson and Johnson was essentially founded the year Abraham Lincoln took the presidency. <laughs> Pretty so, close. I mean, yeah. if you look, if, if you look at some of these companies, you know, some of these companies are the four railroads that cross the entire country, right? There's no new railroads. No, there's, so these, you can't. Are, these are yeah. super, these are super old establishy companies, which for some people is, you know, that's actually a con, right? Because yes, they want to get rich they're not Tesla and NVIDIA. They're not hot and not sexy. You know? No, these are basically a can of Coke. It's, it's, it's unchanged. Yep, it's the same Coke. Coke your grandfather drank. Walmart, Caterpillar. Um, right. John Deere. Yeah. Um, and I, and, uh, yeah. So I had to do a Warren Buffett quote, right? The Oracle of Omaha, right? Wisely said, our favorite holding period is forever. And that's how I feel about dividends, right? With Tesla, you might buy it because you want it to go up and people want to sell it and flip it. I don't right. want to sell these things. I want to own them forever. These are stocks my children will inherit, right? Because yes. like you said, it's a railroad crossing America. Like these are the pillars of the US or even the global economy these days. You know, will a couple of them fail over time here and there? Sure. But if you have a diversified portfolio of these dividend payers, these dividend aristocrats, I mean, you've got a pretty sure monthly, quarterly passive income stream, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't no, happen I mean, overnight, like you said, but it, it's going to right. happen. I mean, basically, so some of the cons would be it takes patience. Yes. It takes basically not looking at, not looking at the numbers for a long oh, yeah. time. Like in January, we're down what, six, 10%, everything is, but just right. don't look at it because you're not, you're not retiring right. today, most people. Right. I mean, but some, but these companies have basically, they're, they're really well established. I mean, these are companies like electric companies, railroad companies, they have a long history of outperforming the market. Mm -hmm. So these companies over the long term have been proven to be ones that give better returns. Obviously, like you said, not all of them hit all the time, but if you have the entire gamut of some of these, these, these companies, um, nothing is completely safe, obviously, but this is a, this is a, a time-tested way to invest in the market. And for me, it's not even mathematical. It's, it's psychological, like touching on what you're saying there, you know? You can put your money in Coke and sleep at night because you know someone's buying a Coca-Cola tomorrow, right? Right. There, there, there is definitely comfort in the fact that these companies have spent decades and obviously some, for some centuries establishing clear, understandable products that make sense for you and for the consumer. We should disclose Coke did not pay us to say their name 20 times. We just have because it's an easy example. It's just, it's just the easy one, right? It's, Everyone right. knows yeah. Coke, so... Um, no, we are, we are receiving no special kickbacks. To, to well, sell. except for our quarterly dividend, right? Right, except for this <laughs> passive income thing, right? Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're paying us to hold on to their stock. Not paying yeah. us to talk about it, but um, here we are doing just that. So I think, I think we've made our point. Any final thought? Yeah, final thought is, you know, look into these. I think that it's an important part of our portfolios, uh, Mark and I, and we want to we want to hear from you about if you if you think we're completely on point or if you have a different opinion. Let us know. Just don't recommend bonds. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. What's so, a wild card story in board games? Our right? wild card story is another really important one, I think, in terms of the culture around us. Board games, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is actually your idea, Mark. Um, it was. So I'm going to kind of pivot to you. What talk about board games? What's your favorite game? I'm going to not respond to your question the way you asked. So I'm going to give you two answers, right? <laughs> uh, 
when I was a kid, I would say my favorite game was Stratego. Have you heard of it? I have actually heard of it. I've actually played it okay. a couple times recently. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know if everybody has. The premise is like you I have two players so. facing each other and you want to capture the other uh, opponent's flag with your military. You put up the pieces on the game board and each piece has a value, you know, one through nine. You know mm-hmm. the value of yours. They know theirs. If it's a, a higher ranking piece, like a one or a two, you have less of them. The lower ranking ones, eight or nine, you have a bunch of them, but then they have special moves. Like they can disarm a bomb or they can scout ahead farther. Um way in the weeds the point is i feel like it kind of speaks to like a um i like maps so it kind of you know tickles that for me and it's like some mm-hmm. strategy ahead in planning so Stratego was probably my answer as a kid uh what about you well Stratego is a great game i think the one thing i like about it i mean there's a lot of things I like about it but you you but you actually get to make your own map you, you actually map yeah. your own pieces out yeah so you have a flag and you have bombs and you have the pieces but you're actually every time you play it's you're all putting different. in where you want yeah. to so it's like there's so strategy and there's also the yes. meta strategy based on how many games you've played against the same opponents, right? And it's very whole. tactile. You have little pieces with little little parapets. It's it's, it's a great game. Yeah. So for me, I really like Battleship as a kid. Um, also tactile. Especially the one that had sound effects, you know, do You don't make it Battleship yourself. sunk. I love, I just love hearing that. Boo! Um, I also like Clue a lot. Um, Those are very different games. After you play Clue enough, though, it kind of, you know, there's only a certain amount of pieces, you know, mustard and the in the library with the wrench. But anyway, I really liked it as a kid. Um, you know, I, I've kind of I kind of had a couple different progressions as an adult, you know, before kids. Um, I was kind of dabbling in the more high complexity games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was sort of turned on by friends and colleagues who, you know, recommended a game. I go out and get it sort of add to my collection. Uh, I sort of pivoted a little bit now towards, you know, I would call them middle of the road games. You know, they're games that are moderate complexity, um, like Century Spice Road, Ticket to Ride, Takedo. You know, games that have enough going for them that you can you you can think, but they're not overly complex. You can you can play with friends. Um, I like games where you, there's a bit of table talk, um, a little bit of gamesmanship, and they're not pure luck, obviously. Um, yeah but they don't have the element where you have to be like scratching your head for, you know, two or three minutes between, between, you know, between turns. Um, obviously now that I'm moving into a phase where my kids can play games, I'm sort of looking at that catalog, uh, Corkle, Chickapig, Vegas Dice Chicka Tower, Pig. King's Domino. Yeah. Some of them are just crazy, which appeals to kids. Some of you know, Corkle, the name sounds really interesting. It's actually not a hugely complex game. But it's got a great name, right? Yes, super, super marketable. <laughs> um, and then for me, you know, I can't talk about board games without talking about chess. I mean, it's a perennial winner. Um, started playing with my with 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 my son, and I mean that is just like that is the ultimate OG game, right? Magnus Carlsen would agree. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? You uh, right now? What are you playing as an adult? Uh, not as much as I would like. Uh, I do like somewhat recently maybe college or post-college settlers like a ton um i know people love it some some hardcore board gamers think it's too simple but i think they're being yeah it's getting some risk they're kind of self-righteous or pompous i don't mean that insultingly but i I I think it's i think it's a a a good balance of a game um it's simple but also complex i like how it has like the resource management you know tokens Mm -hmm. resources but also you're building an empire um and so 
we keep talking about balance and complexity and simplicity. So balance, 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 balance. That's that the question. What makes a good board game? What makes a great board game? Is there an easy answer? I don't think there's an easy answer, but I think there are definitely, you know, some variables and factors. I think balance is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely want to feel like you're playing a game where you have an advantage if you use your skill. But there's some luck a little bit too keep it to keep things flowing for the, for the randomness, right? The RNG. Right. I mean, I think luck is better written as random. I think yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, I mean, how hard is the game to learn? I think Catan is a great example of a game that 15, 20 minutes and maybe the first couple of rounds. You, you like play it once to learn you it. Get right? it, right? It's intuitive to a degree. Um, the things that you want to happen generally are the kinds of things that will happen if you're lucky. Um, not overly complex. Um, it's cooperative versus competitive is a big thing. I think there's a movement now towards the cooperative games, but I'm sort of, I guess, old school in that I, I do appreciate competitive games. Yeah, I've only played a it, few co-op games. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're getting bigger, but um, replayability is big, obviously, too. I think you want a game that, I mean, if you're going to spend 50 bucks on a game, you want to have the ability to play it with different people, different groups. May, can I say maybe 50? Some of these games come out, you could spend 100 or 150 bucks. Yeah. Days, which yeah. I think so is, I think that's that outrageous. With, I think with the advent of more um, gaming companies getting involved, I think you sort of have your tiers where you can grab your Parker Brothers Candyland for yeah. 10, 15 bucks at Target. Not then Barnes and Noble has games <laughs> with, with minifigs and all kinds of maps that fold out to be the size of a, a table. Yeah, 100 bucks, 100 bucks. Yeah. So, uh, but I think I think what I want to go back to is is what is this balance issue. I think I think good games are well balanced. Yes. Um, I mean, Catan, say what you want. Um, it ushered in an entire genre of these resource management games. You know, it's the building block literally for probably thousands of games that have used that fundamental base and they built off it, right? So I yeah. mean, say what you want about it, but it's legacy for a lot of people is going to be it's it's spawned all these different iterations down the line definitely so i guess the question is have we reached the golden age of board games is it now is it in the future is in the past was it chess and checkers yeah i mean i think i think we've moved past the chess and checkers and the candy lands i think um there's more interest and there's more money right there's there's bigger studios there's bigger developments development companies that are putting their their money behind making more games i mean I think there's also, I, you know, I think this is kind of something that I'm just mulling through my head right now is there's kind of a push to get back off this, off the screen, you know, not anti video games per se, but just having a balance where you have, you know, a video game and you have the board game. So I think there's, I think there's some recent growth that are, people are buying board games because they realize that playing games with people is fun. And yeah, maybe getting a couple, maybe getting off the screen a little bit is well, something funny attractive. Is so many board games got kind of digitized. Maybe they get introduced yes. to Catan, the digital version first, and they realize yep. they can play it as a LAN party just if, with their friends at the kitchen table, right? If, if, if you Google even Post-pandemic. like games at random, you'll be surprised by how many have a digital sort of uh, virtual component, right? Yes. I mean, many. and you don't have to do much looking past, you know, Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble. They have legitimate like aisles now with, with, with board games. Mm-hmm. I mean... Um, I couldn't believe how many different options you have. We like to get and one or two for the kids each like birthday slash Christmas. Even if they don't like it, just to try something and just like expose them to the idea. So 
Right, right. So basically for me, I mean, if we're not in a golden age, we're in a silver age, bronze age, we're in a really good place. Um, there was I know that the people was that, there? yeah, I, I think my cohort is kind of also into board games. So maybe I'm a little biased, but I, but I do think culturally, I, I still, I, I feel strong saying that we're, we're in an age where things are growing and building. Yeah. Um, would you agree? Do you think that's true? I'm not going to answer it. Instead, I'm going to pivot and ask our audience to answer the question. What are your favorite board games? And are we in the golden age? You know what I mean? Let us know if we're completely off base. Yeah. We don't know. Um, Ian, want to recap the stories for us tonight? Yeah, I'd love to. So if Cooperstown is about the history of baseball, it needs to be about the history of baseball. That includes this, this, this era of PED, and it includes Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Uh, it can't arbitrarily pick and choose what portion of history it wants to show. Uh, dividends are a solid way to achieve financial goals. This power of passive income, don't underestimate it. We realize it's hard, though. It takes time and a good deal of investment. But check them out. Tons of resources. Uh, lastly, we're arguing that uh, board games are here to stay and we're in a golden age and cultural appeal is high. Tell us which ones are your must plays. Wonderful. Uh, I thought it was a good mix tonight. Awesome. I just want to announce if you follow us on Facebook, you'll see we are now on Google podcasts. So we're on Spotify, Google podcasts. Uh, If there's somewhere else you want to hear us, let us know. We'll try and get on there as well. Obviously YouTube. Uh, Other than that, I guess I'm Mark. I'm Ian. And this is. was. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The content in this podcast is not intended to be a research report, financial, or life advice, and does not constitute an endorsement of any product, service, individual, or organization.